Welcome to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. Tonight we had the privilege of having Paul Hawkins with us, and we're, we're grateful to have Paul. Paul is trained as an educator and then joined our mission and continued to, to educate. He's been around a long time. He's been on our mission longer than I've been on our mission, so he's older than me, just in case you're wondering. You know, so, uh, but he's worked all over the planet and taught in many schools, pioneered uh, some things, including a school and other things. Uh, he's, he's literally worked in different, many continents of the world, has served both in our mission and outside of our mission, ministering to the body of Christ around the planet. We really appreciate Paul and just, he's, he's part of those, that, those early fathers of our mission that it really carries the DNA of our mission. So it's really a privilege to have Paul come and speak to us. Not only does he have all those qualifications I just mentioned, but he's a man of the word. And he's committed to diving deep into the word and bringing that message to us. So would you welcome with me, Paul Hawkins. Well, Lord, we thank you for Paul, and we thank you for his willingness to come and serve uh, here, serve you, and serve us here, and we trust you to give him real clarity of mind and speech as he ministers, and we just position ourselves with an openness to receive from you, so we lean into you, Holy Spirit, trusting you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I just shocked Darla. I said, believe it or not, I'm old enough to be Michael's father. She didn't believe me at first. But my wife believes me. Nineteen seventy-two. Anybody remember the dark ages? I had just finished my training in youth with a mission at the chalet in Switzerland. There was only one school once a year, and it was there. And one day I was a student, and the next day I was a base leader and a school leader. It was called sink or swim in those days. And uh, we went up, we got property, we didn't have any money, but we bought it anyway. You know, that's how we do things. We moved in and didn't have to pay any money for two months, and so we went down to Lausanne, to to Switzerland, to be with Lorna Darlene for Christmas. And on the drive down from Denmark, I said to my wife, I, I don't have enough money to pay all the bills at this new YWAM base. I need some teaching on how to trust God for provision because there had been none teaching at that point. And I didn't tell anybody else. Two days after Christmas, Lauren gathered the 15 YWAMers that were there at the chalet for the holiday. And for the first time ever, he spoke for 30 minutes on something he called faith and finances. Well, I knew it was for me, so I took really careful notes. And I went home, and I put into practice some basic principles that he taught, and I started to see financial miracles take place. Uh, any of you who know me know that I'm all, I'm all about what we call the ways of God. I like to talk about doing things God's way. And so tonight I want to spend a few moments talking about 
trusting God, God's way for provision. And this is always a topic that perks YWAMers up. Now, I promise you that I did not tell the worship team what we were going to talk about tonight. But by the time I finish, you'll understand how some of the songs that we sang tonight is directly related to the topic. Although on the surface, you might not realize it, but it, it directly is. And that when you were praying and singing tonight in praise, you were actually, you were actually being very practical. I'll explain that a little later on. So, uh, to illustrate this, uh, my youngest son went to DTS when he was 18. He was born in youth with a mission, and he always said that he would never do a DTS. I said, fine. The issue is not whether you do a DTS. The issue is only that you do the will of God. So when he was 18, he did a DTS. <laughs> no pressure. His first year out of high school, he took 36 University of the Nations credits while being on five continents and saw $15,000 released to do it. And all I gave him was 500 because that's all I had. <laughs> $15,000, five continents, 36 University of the Nations credit in one year. You know why? Because I listened to a teaching in 1972 with some basic principles, the ways of God of provision. I put it into practice, and in each step of that year, I walked him through the process. At one point, he came to me and he said, Dad, God spoke to me to join King's Kids and go on a gymnastics, uh, a King's Kids outreach to Russia. I need $3,000. I said, fine. So then he came to me and he said, now, Dad, I have $1,500 in the bank, and uh, I have paid tithes and all that money already, so I can spend that for what I need and got to provide the $3,000, right? I said, I don't know. I can only tell you what the principle is. The principle is if you do the possible, God will do the impossible. But I can't tell you what God requires of you as the possible. You'll have to ask the Lord. So I said, go ask him. So he went away and prayed and came back and says, God says all 1,500 towards the 3,000. I said, sounds like God to me. So he put the $1,500 that he had towards the 3,000. Well, then he was graduated from high school. And he got $1,000 in gifts from family and friends. I think my dad gave him 500 bucks. Well, my dad didn't give me that much when I graduated, I'll tell you. <laughs> and he came and said, now, Dad, that's gift money. I can spend that, right? And God will provide the 1500 I said, you know what? I don't know. Only I can tell you is that God and his ways haven't changed. So you have, to, you have to ask God what the possible is. So go ask him. So he went away and prayed and came back and he said, God said 750 towards the 1500 and I can spend 250. I said, sounds like God to me. And of course, then God provided the 750 and he went. When he came back from Russia, he said, God spoke to me to do DTS in Montana. I need $4,000, Dad. It was an expensive DTS then because the outreach was going to be in Perth, Western Australia, about as far as you can get from Montana. So I gave him 500 is all I had. And, and for nine weeks, he was absolutely flat broke. And I was there to speak in the week. I had, I had offered to bow out of the DTS when he was going because I said, 
Maybe you don't want me to be there because it's your school. I said, oh, no, Dad, you need to come. I need your message. Mm. So I spoke the ninth week of his school. And during that week, the leadership had been, the Lord had spoken to them that they were to take an offering for their property to pay off their mortgage of, of um, let's see, how much was it? $250,000 were paid off in one year. And they said, if we'll do the possible as students and staff, God will do the impossible. So they took an offering on a Friday night. Well, we had, it was the week before American Thanksgiving, and Peggy and I were there, so we brought he and his buddy the night before to a pre-Thanksgiving turkey dinner because we were going to be with them. And an hour later, we said, go to the bedroom, and uh, we set up a little Christmas tree, put on Christmas music and put gifts under the tree and brought them home back into the room for Christmas an hour after Thanksgiving because they were going to be on outreach. And Sean got some gifts from family and friends and $75. And the next morning, the base had this base offering and he's standing in the back and the Lord said to him, Sean, I want you to give in the offering. If you'll give, everybody else will give because nobody would come forward yet. He said, how much, Lord? He said, everything you have. He'd been absolutely flat broke for nine weeks, and God required him to give all $75. So he dropped it in the basket. You know what that offering was from 250 YWAMers that day? $90,000. Don't ask me where it came from. I have no idea. Because I know two people didn't give any money because they didn't have any. And that night, after giving $75, someone placed $1,500 on his bill. Then all he needed was $2,000 for the outreach. And God miraculously provided that. I, I yelled at God a lot in desperation because I said, God, he's been following your ways. He's been doing everything right. You've got to provide this. And I was in the East Coast in an economically deprived city at an economically deprived base. In fact, it closed down the week after I spoke in the DTS. And there was a DTS of 25 students and staff trusting God for the money to go to Ukraine for their outreach. And so Thursday night, and God says to me, you'll go home with $2,000 for his outreach. And it was so strong, I went, Yes! 2,000, well, where am I going to get 2,000? I don't know. So after the class, came back to my room, got my coat on, you know, straightened out my eyebrows to go out to lunch, you know, stuff we do. And there's a knock on the door, and one of the students says, come in. He said, a uh, little something for your son, and he put a piece of paper on the table. I said, oh, thanks, I didn't pay any attention, and he left. And I picked up the check, and it was a check, it was a check for $2,000. I yelled at him, come back here! I said, you have, he said, oh yeah, I know. You don't know what God's been doing in me this week. So I called my son, got the money. And he went to Russia. When he came home, God said to him, do the school of intercession in Brazil. I said, okay, well ask God I wants to provide. Where does an 18 year old, because God said, get a job. Where does an 18 year old get a job for two months to make enough money to do a school in Brazil? Well, you got, it's obedience, that's what's important. It's called doing the possible. He had seen miraculous provision in different ways. He'd given everything he had, and now says, get a job. So he got a job at Harvest House Publishers, where we were living, putting box, books in boxes. He hated it. Part-time job, they worked him 70 hours the first week. And in two months, he had all the money to go to Brazil. And he did the school. $15,000, five continents, 36 University of the Nations credits, all in one year. All because we were beginning to understand the ways of God of provision. If you do the possible, God does the impossible. Do you know the word trust is actually a choice? 
It is defined as assured reliance on the character, strength, or truth of something or someone, a basis of faith, trust. Okay? You know Psalm 37, 25, once I was young, now I am older. I don't say old, I say older. Once I was young, now I'm older. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. You know that verse? You know Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know, don't you, that Christians never have financial problems? We have only financial opportunities to receive God's blessing. Now, sometimes the blessing is rebuke for irresponsibility, but okay, because the Bible promises to meet all our needs. So stop talking about a financial problem. No, it's a financial opportunity to receive God's blessing because he promises to provide all of our needs. So we stand firm on his word. We call it living by faith. Now actually living by faith is not somebody trusting God for money because Abraham was a rich man who lived by faith. You know what, when I joined you with the mission, my wife said I was hell bent to empty out the bank account so I could live by faith. I went to Lord Cunningham and I said, can you live by faith with the, check, with the, with the, with the bank account? He said, sure. Abraham was rich, and he lived by faith. So there are four reasons Lauren gave in this teaching as to why God calls us to live by faith, okay? We know he does because in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Romans 1, 17, it says, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. And in Romans 14, 23, it says, everyone thing that does not come from faith is sin. So we know that God wants us to live by faith. All right? So, what's your faith built on? Do the number of knives and forks in the temple build your faith, generally speaking? Not generally. So, the Bible, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what in the word? Who God is. Absolutely loving, holy, wise, faithful, just, merciful, gracious, good, kind, compassionate, forgiving God. Your faith is built upon God's character. If you don't believe it, read Tozer. He says it a thousand times in his 45 books. Remember, your potential is in your will, so God's will is your potential. Write that down so you can think about it for six months. My potential is in my will, but God's will is my potential. I heard Lauren Cunningham make that statement in December 1971 in Denmark. I wrote it down because the implications exploded in my conscious mind like firecrackers on Chinese New Year. And I have lived. If you understand that statement, my potential's in my will, but God's will is my potential. My potential is my capacity to do or become something. As a result, Peggy and I have eliminated this phrase from our vocabulary. I can't afford it. Whatever you obey is your God. If you obey money, then money is your God. If you obey God, then God is your God. So we've eliminated, we don't even ask, can we afford it? Because the issue is not what we have or do not have. The issue is, what is the will of God? We say, don't we, where God guides, he provides. Where he leads, he feeds. Do we? Yeah. Do we believe it? Uh-oh. I believe it. I don't have to turn sideways for you to tell I'm not starving to death. And I've been in this mission for a long time. <laughs> so, 
We have eliminated from our vocabulary we can't afford it because money is not the issue. The will of God is the issue. Your potential's in your will, and God's will is your potential. So one day, my son, oldest son, he's in university, calls, and he's, he's studying political science, <clears throat> and he says, Dad, I've heard about a special summer institute at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. It's called the Summer Institute for Comparative Political and Economic Systems. You take six credits in political science and economics at Georgetown in D.C., and then you get to work as an intern in the office of an American politician. Oh, Dad, I'd love to do that. I said, if you ask God, well, Dad, it costs $3,000. I said, someone has that ever stopped us? I refuse to let my kids grow up thinking they're poor because their father is a YWAM missionary because it's just not the truth. It's a lie. You put the mission stance. YWAM stands for you put the mission. Like young warriors after maidens, young women after men, youth with a meeting, youth with a machete. Our old folks' home is called youth was a memory. But it does not stand for youth without any money. That's a false prophecy which we reject. Don't let that pass through your lips unless you react negative and say, that's a lie. We reject that. It's just not true. So I refuse to let my kids grow up thinking they're poor because their dad's a missionary. So we never ever say we can't afford it. We said, we'll ask God if it's what he wants. Because if said God said it's what he wants, then he'll pay for it. I'm talking to a lot of young parents here. Do, your, do you want your kids to grow up in the YWAM lifestyle only having the sacrifices and never the blessings? By the time my kids were 18, they'd been to 40 nations each. Is that because they had a lot of faith to trust God for airplane tickets? Are you kidding? My Not theirs. <laughs> oh, they'd get the word, but then they trusted me, paid, expected me to pay for it. So I said, you ask God if you can apply. If he says yes, and you get accepted, I'll trust him for the money. Now, do you think I had $3,000 for my kid to go to D.C. for six weeks? It's going to cost more than $3,000 because he's going to have to have an airplane ticket to get there. Plus, it's going to have to have a new wardrobe because you don't go to D.C. with shorts, T-shirts, and flip-flops. So it's going to be more than 3,000 bucks. He said, okay, Dad. Call back in three weeks. Dad, God said yes. I got accepted. I got $1,000 scholarship. I need $2,000 in three weeks. Hallelujah, son. Hang up the phone. God, help. <laughs> I get $2,000. It's a lot of money now, let alone back then. No reason to panic, because this was God's idea, not mine. So I said, what to do? He gave me an idea. He told me to call somebody. But I never met them. And they have an unlisted telephone number to protect them from people like me. <laughs> they're, they're a household name. If I mentioned their name, you'd all recognize it. It's an American household name. They're believers. And because they also support politics, the same brand that my son embraces, I thought they might be interested in funding a potential future politician. But I had no way to get a hold of them. And the next day, a guy calls, a retired NFL football player who had done a DTS. That's why I knew him. And it was about some other business. And I realized, oh, he retired on the team in the city where they live. And because this company also supports sports projects, and he's a believer, they're believers, maybe he has the telephone number. So afterwards, I said, you got a such and such a telephone number? He said, yeah. I said, can you give it to me? Because I had to give him the out in case he wasn't allowed to pass it on. 
And I got the telephone number and I waited for three days. Is this really you, God? On the third morning, God said, call right now. So I called and I said, hello, this is Paul Hawkins. The wife answered, oh, Paul Hawkins? I've been wanting to talk to you, she said. I come from Denmark, you know, let's talk about Denmark. Well, obviously she heard me speak because I was the leader of YWAM Denmark and she must have heard me tell the story. So we talked about Denmark. I told her, can I tell you why I called? She said, yes. I told her and she said, God bless you, $2,000 in the post today, goodbye. Don't ask for the telephone number, I don't have it anymore. Called my son, got the money. Not only was he one of a hundred students chosen to do that institute of the hundred, he was one of two chosen to do his internship in the White House. He was personal assistant to the vice president of the time and set his schedule for six weeks. There's no closed doors for the believer. The issue is not what you have or do not have. The issue is what is the will of God? So we're going to get rid of the I can't afford it mentality. We're not poverty-stricken. Don't you know that many rich people have cash flow problems? All their resources are tied up in their investments. That's who you and I are. We're rich people with a cash flow problem. We just got to get our father to sell a cow every now and then. That's all. Okay? So we're going to get rid of it. The question is, do you live by principle or by pressure? Do you live according to the principles of the Word of God or do you bow to the pressure of circumstances? Do you live by principle or by pressure? So, there are four reasons why God calls us to live this life of faith. Number one is to prove him alive and well. Do you know why many people, when you ask them to go do street evangelism, will say, I don't know what to say. Do you know why they have nothing to say? Because they've witnessed nothing, because they have nothing to testify to. Just like if I saw a murder and said, I got to go home to my wife, I want you to go testify for me. They won't let you because it's hearsay information. You didn't witness anything. One of the reasons that God's called us to live by faith is because it gives us plenty of opportunities to testify that God is alive and well. If you read, is that really you, God? You know that in 72, when we had the first Olympic outreach and I was a student then, we prayed that castle into reality. When we went on the streets of Munich, People would say, I know what it's costing me to be here. How can you as a young person, because I was young then, afford to come here? We go, I said, you want to see the castle God gave us? And we could testify about God's provision. It proves God alive and well because we have no other means of seeing it. Secondly, it promotes unity in the body of Christ. Have you ever been out of toothpaste? and had no money to buy any, and you said to God, may I remind you I need toothpaste for the sake of my relationships? <laughs> and later that day, there's a knock on your door, and there's your friend standing there with their hand behind their back, and they go, hi. And you go, hi, like, why are you here? And they say, well, prayed for you today. And you go, well, thanks. Say, well, and God told me to give you something, and hands you a tube of toothpaste. They don't want to offend you like your breath stinks. Go brush your teeth. You scream with great delight because your prayer got heard. They scream with even greater delight because they heard from God. And what happens to your relationship immediately? Just like that. All over a tube of toothpaste. You know, because the Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know what I mean? I can tell you a thousand stories about that. 
It promotes unity in the body of Christ. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14. At this time, out of my abundance, I will supply to meet your need. Later on, out of your abundance, you'll supply to meet my need. There might be equality. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14. So it promotes unity in the body of Christ. The third reason that we live by faith is God wants to test our faith. No pain, no gain is not just for the gym. It's in the spirit as well. Faith only becomes a personal possession through tests and trials. God will teach us many things because he can get our attention. You see, our stomach is very close to our heart. So we keep our stomach, our heart right to keep our stomach full as YWAMers. I don't know about you, but I'm good about wandering off the straight and narrow a little bit. And I've given God permission to dry up the resources if I start to wander too off the beaten path. And that God knows, and he gets your attention really fast because your heart's close to your stomach and you keep your heart right to keep your stomach full. It becomes a motivation. He wants to yes, give him the permission. I believe he loves it that we YWAMers are willing to trust him this way because we allow him to build our faith. He builds spiritual muscle in us. And finally, the fourth reason is to teach us lessons. George Otis Sr., who wasn't a believer and was president of Learjet Corporation, went bankrupt, lost everything, became a believer. And then he wrote, he had a ministry called, um, I forget, and in his, his autobiography, he tells how that God uses finances to teach and test us and control our comings and goings. He said, it's very easy to talk about financial faith until your bills are past due. When your bills are past due, then you judge the true quality of your faith. One time my mother said to me, Paul, you talk too much about money. I said, well, I'm in good company because Jesus did too. He spoke more about finance than he did about love, actually, in the scriptures. Because it's a tool that God can use to teach and test us and develop our faith. So there's some very, very simple, basic principles that Lauren taught us. And number one is this. If you do the possible, God will do the impossible. Only God can tell you what the possible is in any one situation. Sometimes if there's something you think you can't live without, that's the very thing you'll probably have to give away to prove that you can live without it. I had a camera. My, mother, my sister gave it to me. It was pre-digital. It was a beautiful 35 millimeter camera and it took really good pictures. And one day God told me to give it away and I said, no, my sister gave me that camera. Besides, it takes really good pictures. Because if it had taken lousy pictures, it would have been easy to give away. Every time I got down to pray for a year, I kept hearing, get a camera, and I kept ignoring it. Finally, at a year after a year, God said, give away the camera. And a woman's face came, I don't even know her name. So I went and gave her. She, she went ballistic. She must have been praying for a camera for a year. <clears throat> and I walked back to my room after giving the camera. <clears throat> Oh, gave him a camera because God wants to give me a better one. And I waited a whole year. Never got a camera. 
And one day God said, you know, Paul, when you gave the camera, you didn't give the flash attachment that went with it. It's just sitting in the closet up there waiting for the next camera and it's not useful to you. Why don't you give that away too? I thought, oh man, God, you nailed me. Because I remember thinking when I gave the camera, I'll keep the flash attachment so when I get a new camera, I won't have to buy a flash attachment. And it was in the closet for a year and God said, go. So I went and gave it. And when I gave it to a, a YWAMer, she closed the door and burst into laughter behind the closed door. I came back to my room and five minutes later she's at my door with her hands behind her back and she said, I have to tell you why I laughed. Because just before you arrived, someone gave me a beautiful 35 millimeter camera without flash attachment. And then you came and gave me the flash attachment. The reason I laughed is because God had told me, told me to give you something and gave me a beautiful Pentax 35 millimeter see-through lens camera with flash attachment. Not the one she just got, the one she already had. So a few months later, I'm off in, in Colombia. I'm at the YWAM base, and we're finding out that they don't have all their needs being met, so we asked God what to do, and he said, have a giving party. A giving party is when everybody goes away and asks God what you have, you can give to somebody else. You only do it when God says, otherwise it can be manipulation. So I went to my room and said, all right, God, out of my possessions, what have I got? And Lord said, see that camera? You don't need it. <laughs> give it to the YWAM leader. He needs it for the ministry here. So I gave the camera. I kind of stopped carrying my camera on trips. <clears throat> That's only partially true. Secondly, when I'm faithful with a little, then God will give me more to be faithful over. When you're wrestling with limited resources, you're careful with every quarter you get. You do, if you're faithful with a little, he'll give you more to be faithful over. Whenever I'm running schools and I teach the students this, and there's always students who don't have all their tuition, say, if you will do the possible, God will do the impossible. And I instruct accounting, do not laugh when they come in with 50 cents. They're learning a lesson. Invariably, those who take this principle, okay, and are, and are, are faithful over the little, once they give the 50 cents, if God says give it, if he says have a Coke, it's okay when you're struggling with a little. And then the $5 comes, and then you check in your faith with that. Then the $50 comes, and then the $500 comes, and it's all taken. Those who ignore this principle always seem to struggle seeing the provision come because it's a simple principle of if you're faithful over a little, God will give you more to be faithful over. And finally, here's a couple of questions you can ask yourself. Is there any reason why God cannot provide and the second question, is there anything I need to do to see your provision? Now, Lauren wrote a book. It's called Daring to Live on the Edge. These principles are found in that book. This is what he taught me back in December of 1971. And then he wrote it in his book so you can read it in the book, okay? I'm here to testify to you, it works. Every single time when we were wrestling over financial provision, we go back to God, back to the teaching, here's the principle, okay? If you do the possible, God will do the impossible. If you're faithful over a little, God will give you more to be faithful over. Now, may I say to our visitors here who are not, not YWAMers yet, it's dangerous to come to a YWAM meeting, that these principles work not just 
in YWAM, these are biblical principles. And you can live the same way. The well-known American New Zealand couple, YWAMers, Jim and Joy Dawson, before they joined you, they joined the same year that I joined YWAM. Jim was the CEO of a small company in Auckland, New Zealand. And one day God spoke to them that they were to give away his entire month's salary to missions and not tell anybody and let God provide to pay their bills for the month. And they did it. God was preparing them for him to resign his position and join you with the mission in 1971. So they've lived like YWAMers just like we've lived like YWAMers all these years. But they had a test of faith even before they were in you with the mission. And if you want to see God manifest his glory. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. We were singing a lot tonight about the glory of God. Have you ever prayed, show us your glory? When you prayed that, what were you asking for? Most of the time, we don't know. It just sounds good. The glory is the sum total of all that he is. The Hebrew word kavod, which means heavy, literally. Okay. We've had the glory cloud of God's presence come into one of our schools of intercession one day and all the students fell on the floor for two hours unable to get up under the heavy glory cloud of God's presence. Yeah, you can explain that with a bunch of weird intercessors. Except the base leader's pet dog was in the classroom too when it happened. And the dog fell down under the glory cloud of God's presence, whimpering, unable to get up for two hours. Explain that. If you looked in Psalm 31.1, there you would see the first time the word kavod, the main word for glory, is translated. It's translated glory, but in some versions it's translated wealth. According to the biblical inter- rule of interpretation, the law of first use, the foundation of the, the first manifestation of the glory of God is financial provision. I can hear the Wyomingers. Oh God, show us your glory. He didn't know it tonight, but when we were singing about the glory of God, the sum total of all that God is that we want, which is a nebulous, we're not quite sure what it is, but biblically, according to the law of first use, financial provision is the first manifestation of glory of God. That's a very practical thing. So, uh, if you are wrestling with financial provision in these days right now, in just a moment, I'm gonna have you come forward and stand up here because we're, you're gonna get a prayer tonight. We, we don't believe that God wants us to perpetually wrestle and struggle with financial provision. There will be seasons. Now, when the season is regular provision coming, you get to relax and you can buy the Cokes without asking, okay? But when it gets tight and you tighten the belt, then you gotta be more careful. That's the be faithful over the little, he gives you more to be faithful over, okay? So if you are right now in that situation where you're not sure where it's coming from or you're wrestling to see God's provision, why don't you come and stand in the front here? Is there anybody? Maybe you're not having enough. I relate totally, you guys. For many years, I had to trust God every month for my, for my staff fees. I had $200 a month regular support when the staffies were $600 a month. 
and I had to press into God every month. Okay, come on up. Come stand here. Make two rows, okay? Because we want to see breakthrough. Now, you know what? It says about Job. You know, Job lost everything. And then God told him to pray for his friends who were the Job's comforters, remember? And when he prayed for his friends, what does the Bible say happened? Huh? When he prayed for his friends, what happened? He was what? Well, yeah, he was healed, but that happened before he prayed, I think. Does anybody know what it says? Haven't you got your phone with your, with your Bible on it? Check real quick. See what it says. Anybody out there know? What happened when it said he prayed for his friends? How, how much was he blessed? He got back double. Okay, so here's what we're going to do tonight. Okay? We're not, I'm not going to pray for you because you're going to be like Job. You're going to turn and you're going to pray for a friend. You're going to pray for somebody else. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with him and say, I'm going to trust God for your provision as though it were mine. If you will trust God for my provision as though it were yours, you know what will happen? You'll start to have faith for the other and because the Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. Now, husband and wife are not going to pray together. <laughs> You're going to go to somebody else. Okay? Because as you pray for others, like Job, God can restore back to you. Given it shall be given unto you. So I want you to turn my... Now, for those of you out there that are swimming in dough... You quietly pray for them as God shows you. And if he gives you a word for them, come and tell them. But now you find somebody that you're to pray with and ask God what their, ask them what their need is and then pray specifically for it, okay? And then they're gonna pray for you, okay? Can you find somebody? Thanks for listening to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learning to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our discipleship training school.